Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today we're talking about how difficult it is to run for Congress when you're not an incumbent or rich. Challenger spent an average of five and a half million dollars on California house races in 2020. And we'll be talking with two Californians running for Congress who don't have that kind of money, at least right now, and are facing long odds in taking on incumbents. One is Joseph Rocha. He's a 35-year-old gay Latino Democrat who is running against Republican Congressman Daryl Issa in a conservative district near San Diego. The other is Tamika Hamilton. She's a 37-year-old black woman running as a Republican in a Northern California district against Democrat John Garamendi. We'll hear from Hamilton later in the show, but first let me tell you about Rocha. He left home when he was 17 years old after he told his family he's gay, and he joined the Navy a year later. Back then, in the days of don't ask, don't tell, you couldn't serve in the military as an openly LGBTQ person. So after a few years, including some brutal hazing at the hands of his fellow soldiers, Rocha left and later became a key witness in the legal battle to overturn the policy. He graduated from law school and re-enlisted in the Marines and served as a prosecutor there. He rose to the rank of captain and served seven years. His stint ended in July and days later, he launched his campaign against ISA, one of the wealthiest members of Congress. Joseph Rocha, welcome to It's All Political. Why do you want to run for Congress? I mean, frankly, you know, given my background and, and the class that is emerging to challenge uh, current incumbents, um, Frankly, there's there's never been a better time or a more important time, right? This midterm season, we are living through an actual constitutional crisis. Um, you know, I was reflecting a lot on the Constitution last night. And, you know, who are we, the people? It's not we, the corporations, and we, the 1%. It's we, every single person in this country. Uh, and, you know, that's quickly escaping us. Um, you know, if if we allow it, there are... Uh, members of Congress who will make this entire government work exclusively and only for, if they could get their way, corporations in the, in the 1%. And then that's secondary to the fact that they are actually chipping away at the trust and confidence of our voters in their own democracy. So, you know, voting against certification of a valid election after the Capitol is under attack, voting against investigations, voting against the power of Congress, um, against their own, upholding their own subpoenas. Um, you know, this is how democracies die. And so it's not so surprising that so many veterans are stepping up to run. And now let's talk about the the sad practicalities of running for the House, uh, running for office anywhere. but. Uh, particularly running for the house, uh, it, it's it, you're almost in constant fundraising mode, and you you had a good uh, uh, fun, you know, for someone who's who's just jumping in the race, raised two hundred fifty two thousand uh, dollars last quarter. Uh, you have about one hundred eight thousand in the bank, according to the latest uh, campaign finance reports. But Daryl Issa is one of the wealthiest mom- members of Congress. Uh, depending on what source you, you look at, uh, he is well north of two hundred million dollars, maybe close to three hundred. Um, how do you uh, compete against that? Yeah, yeah, you, you definitely don't learn this in civics class, that's for sure. So you do not. No. Yeah. Thank God. So, uh, so you know, I I would love you know I want to shout this from the rooftops. Not only did we raise two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars in our first quarter as a first time candidate, uh, leaning on no personal wealth and taking no PAC dollars. 
but we outraised Daryl Issa. So specifically to your question, we've already proved the ability to compete with Issa. Um, and, you know, we're at www.roadtripforcongress.com. If people there want, you go. Way to go. Hey, get, get the plug. If in, people right? want to help uh, support <laughs> that momentum. So we have the ability to take on Issa. You know, um, uh, not only across the board have we seen many times where um, where a challenger or an incumbent outspends somebody who wins, right? Daryl Issa's first election, he outspent a primary opponent by $9 million, and he still lost by five points and never made it to the general. Um, so, you know, Daryl Issa's money will not be the determining factor in whether or not this district gets the representation that it needs. Um, we are running a campaign where, frankly, I've put my skin and my heart into a very difficult race, which I'm very proud of, and people are responding to it. And that's where, you know, this overwhelming grassroots a swell of support has come from, and uh, and I'm I'm thrilled and looking forward to to to, to keeping that going. You have an, another big challenge, and that's that the uh, voter registration in your district that you're running in, at least where it is now. This is before the the new lines have been drawn. We don't know exactly what it's going to be, but you're you're in Escondido. You're, you'll likely be in the heart of whatever district's down there. Right. Re- regardless, though, at this point, it's Republicans have what about ten point voter registration advantage, which is, that's steep. Um, you are departing from some of the, you know, some of the, uh, should I say, California Democratic Party platform uh, uh, staples. You're, you're, and you don't support the Green New Deal. You're not for single-payer health plan. How else are you uh, different from, uh, you know, let's say a, a, the San Francisco Democrats that you once knew uh you know, back in the day, uh, and and why? Yeah, sure. So uh, to be clear, there's a very big difference between being against the Green New Deal and being a clan, uh, being against uh, climate change action, right? So, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's super important. And, and it's the same way with healthcare. You know, I've spent my entire life in and thrived in conservative spaces. Um, the overlap in our values of being for a strong country, a strong democracy, uh, supporting the Constitution. Um, being Forest Service members, our veterans. These are all things that I've dedicated, you know, dedicated my entire life to. So when it comes to running in this space, I feel like I feel at home. I mean, you know, I was raised Latino and Catholic and I uh, my military career spans 17 years and starts and ends in law enforcement as a bomb dog handler and then a prosecutor. So, you know, we're not I like to say, you know, we didn't come up with our, our platform or our values and in, in some uh you know, think tank lab. This is this is who we are, and that authenticity is what will allow us to 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 win this race. Um, you know, and Daryl Issa, frankly, is not the entrenched incumbent that everyone uh, everyone's memory is stuck on. He's a ten month incumbent of the fiftieth district, which he doesn't live in, um, and he's never been more vulnerable. Um, the votes that he has taken are. Uh, unpopular amongst the average independent and Republican votes, such as voting against certification of the election or against January 6th. And the votes that he's voted against um, have literally denied this district every every single possible piece of relief. Um, it's come anyways because Democrats have fought very hard. Um, but if it were up to him, you know, those cops that he says he cares about on the beat would not be getting uh, the resources they they need. Those service members' families, those spouses with children with deployed service member spouses um, would go months not knowing if they can pay the bills because 
we uh, haven't raised the debt ceiling and our uh, veterans would go without the services that um, that we promised them and that we have to honor. And uh, are you concerned about how you're being a, a gay Latino, or particularly a gay man, will come into play here? Uh, in 2020, ISO was accused of running, quote, gay baiting ads against his fellow Republican, Carl DeMaio, uh, in, in the same uh, district race, who is gay. Um, are you concerned about that? And if that were to happen, how would you respond? So you bring up the perfect the the perfect counter to that argument, right? So Carl DeMaio won one nearly one of every three Republican votes in this district. So this district gets a bad rap, frankly. Um, and yes, uh, Daryl Issa is alleged to have ran anti-gay, um, homophobic ads, but that backfired on him. It backfired in Republican spaces, and it backfired on him in this district. So again, bad rap for the district. Those two metrics are you know very strong indicators that my being gay. Uh, is not detrimental to the campaign. What it is, is an asset, right? It's an asset to the campaign because people see the fight, the struggle. You know, it's like marriage equality. People didn't support it until they realized that it's their brothers and their sisters and their sons, their daughters or grandchildren who are who are gay. And with my fight, you know, um, it's very easy for people to see like, my goodness, this kid really has been through hell. Um, he's never chased a dollar. He's never chased power. Somehow he seeps, just keeps forgiving the people who hurt him and keeps dedicating and, and doubling down on making the country he loves better. For the record, Isa said that those he did not intend those ads uh, against a mile to be, uh, quote, gay baiting. Walk us through a, a day in the life of uh, Joseph on the on the campaign trail at this point. Well, um, you know, it, it's about getting out there. It's about getting my name out there. It's about um, getting our story out there. It's about meeting, um, you know, uh, community leaders, um, organization leaders. It is about uh, meeting elected officials. It's about finding people who who have ran themselves, people who have ran and won, people who have ran and lost. Um, you know, this is this is you're learning a whole new universe and a whole new life um, of of pressure and stress and um, and uh, that that is. I mean, in many ways, it mirrors a lot of the hardship that I've had in the past, a lot of the quote unquote impossible feats um, that I've dedicated my life to. Um, but uh, it also is really beautiful, right? I get to be part of the democratic, or, yeah, the democratic experiment, like the democracy experiment, where a kid who was raised with food insecurity and housing insecurity, with a mother who was terrified. And going through, I mean, and terrified me, frankly, as she struggled through addiction as a single mom, left me home a lot because she had no child care. Um, um, I'm now running against one of the wealthiest members of Congress who has many times um, been uh, has been, um, you know, chironed or labeled as one of the most corrupt members of Congress. So, I mean, this is the American um, experiment. Um, this, these are the conversations I get to have every single day. And you, and you, I imagine you're spending a lot of time on the phone though, dialing for dollars. That's what everybody does. Sure. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm a, mo I, I'm a machine. Like I, I, I have never met a, a goal I couldn't meet. I've never met a challenge that I didn't accept. Um, and you know, the first quarter is a, a fantastic example of that. Uh, our endorsements, our fundraising ability, um, you know, our, and so, yeah, I mean, we will, um, you know, I'm a big believer that every major issue that we are facing um, has a solution that brings good jobs to our district. Um, I believe that the greatest strength of our country is empathy. 
And, um, you know, we will be lost if we stop caring about each other on the micro and the macro scale. Joseph Rocher, thank you so much for being on It's All Political. Good luck to you. All right. Thank you so much. We'll be back after a short break to talk with Tamika Hamilton, a black Republican woman who is running against Congressman John Garamendi. And now here's our conversation with Tamika Hamilton. Estranged from her father, she was born to a teenage mother in Maryland and raised by her grandparents, who were military veterans. She joined the Air Force after high school and was deployed twice to the Middle East during the War on Terror. She and her husband are trying to balance raising their five children with running for Congress. Perhaps her biggest obstacle? She's running as a Republican in deep blue California. Tamika, voters are going to see that R after your name on the ballot. How are you different from other Republicans? I started this race, Joe, because of people. I started this because I care about my children's future. I uh, understand that we are in a very polar, polarized state when it comes to uh, when it comes to um, party parties. But you know, again, when you start with people and end with people, I think that um, that I think that what we are facing as a um, as a party, we can overcome it. But in terms of policy, where do you differ from re- Republicans? Where, like, from the party? Is there any place where you're where you're a little bit different? Well, I think that uh, sometimes we are. People would say that we're heartless. I, I see that a lot, and so some of the social issues, I think that uh, I would say. I'm willing to discuss because, again, I'm not afraid to discuss those hard topics. Um, you know, the Republican Party is a party of no. <laughs> and um, that's like an overall consensus of how people feel about it. But, uh, you know, as far as I think everyone wants limited government. I think people want to just mind their own business and go about their everyday lives. You know, people want simple things, be able to, you know, uh, have a good holiday, have a good vacation, put food on their table, have gas in their tank. And right now, that's something that's not a that's. That's something that people are making life decisions on. And, you know, me being um, we're in a single income household, you know, we see um, the strain because gas prices are astronomical. And uh, and when I talk to people, it's about are we going to have a government that's are we going to have elected officials that are accountable? And that's where you're going to get with me. You know, you're going to be able to you're going to be able to talk to me. You're going to be able to um, have access to me. And I think that overall, when you want to talk about the differences between myself and other Republicans, it's about having those hard conversations. Uh, we got to have to talk about Trump, uh, given that he is that we saw the last recall election. Newsom successfully uh, essentially demonized all his Republican opponents for their support of Trump. Where, where are you in the president? Did you vote for him the last two times? I voted for President Trump. Uh, but one thing I would say in terms of the recall, you know, the recall became about a personality, uh, you know, uh, one candidate. And I think that's where we lost. One candidate being Larry Elder? Yes. Okay. And why Why do you think, and how would you differ from Larry Elder? Well, I don't know Larry Elder personally. Uh, so one. Um, two, I I didn't support Larry Elder. I supported Kevin Kiley. And so uh, one of the things that, you know, I've always said is that when it, that, uh, you know, we should support someone that's already been here. We should support someone that's already been putting in the work. And Kevin Kiley was my choice. And, um, and so when we tied, when Gavin Newsom tied, you know, um, Larry Elder to uh, Trump, it you, we brought the Democrats out. It just it it just was gonna it happened, you know. And I think for for the most part, because of polling, you see that the Democrats are mostly asleep and really could, you know, they were like, okay, well, we can see other people being this position. But I think that that brought um, when you start tying, you know, 
you know, every, everything you can to try to be negative to um, an alternative, then you're going to get what we got. And, you know, Gavin Newsom won. Yeah. And then, okay. So what's the path of against you're running? This is a, an uphill campaign. I think you'd admit that against Garamendi. He's yes. been there. Uh, he's been in public life in, in California for, I mean, three, four decades. I mean, he was, you can say 50 state. years, Joe. I can <laughs> I think it has been 50 years. It been has there. been 50 it, years. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I, I was I was surprised. That was I was just like I was like, wow, I I only go back to him for like insurance commissioner, but he was the he was majority leader in the state senate before that. He was in the assembly briefly. Is uh, is our life yeah. any better, Joe, in California? Because Garamendi has been in office for 50 years. We have to start being honest here. You know, this is not about a left or right issue. This is a people issue. People are trying to put food on the tables. Inflation, high gas prices, you know, food costs are skyrocketing. I'm a normal, average, everyday person, and I decided to get into this. Garamendi is not a vote for people. He's a vote for special interests. You could go look it up. I'm not saying anything to try to, you know, gaslight people. It's true. And, you know, the farmers are hurting. Every aspect of life is hurting. 70% of the... um of the working class in this district drive outside of this district. That stimulus check that they're going to try to taunt in 2022 is going into the gas tank. It's not going to anything special. Garamendi is a not is not a vote for people. And we have to start being honest. You know, call balls well, and strikes. What would you do differently than Garamendi? G- give me some specific examples of what you'd do differently than, uh, than he would right now. So right now, Garamendi is silent. We have two military bases in this district. And... One of the things that he said uh, in the past month or so was that, you know, with the terrible withdrawal from Afghanistan, that we shouldn't be going to save Americans. You know, how is that supporting? How is that going to help here in District 3 with two military bases? Garamendi has been silent on on the path moving forward to get uh, the the school children that are in California out of here. You know, Garamendi is silent. And, you know, and people say, well, that worked in his favor. But I think right now, more than ever, People are looking for uh, lawmakers that are that we we have to hold them accountable. And being quiet is not helpful, you know. And so, one of the biggest issues that I think that we're seeing right now is that no one is going to be able to go to 2022 without being asked, "What did you do to make the situation better?" In the past ten months, people, you know, we were promised that, you know, so many things were going to change after Donald Trump wasn't president. To you know, you move the goalpost every t- every turn. And now people are struggling to make ends meet and robbing Peter to pay Paul. He's not speaking up. He's a senior leader. Uh, he's a well senior elected official. And where is he? Because District 3 is hurting. We're one of the poorest districts in California, and we're hurting here. And he knows it. You ran against Gary Mendy in 2020. And uh, not, I mean, you were kind of off the radar. Even your fellow Republicans weren't helping you out this time. Now, the, <laughs> and uh, the National Republican Campaign Committee uh, has got Garamendi on its target list. Uh, how does that? How does that change the way you run your race? And how is it different this time than it was last time? So we showed that you know this race was underfunded and it was not on the radar. But I put a hundred thousand miles on my car, left no stone unturned. I talked to everybody that I could, and you know, we got to 45.3. Uh, and I would tell you that it's changed because now we have more resources coming in. And like 
the people that are on this team, we have a few additional people on the team, on the campaign team, and it has um, just helped build the momentum because we're able to do things we weren't able to do before, like mail and, you know, all all those extras that it takes to win a race. And I think that, you know, those are boring topics that are, your viewers probably like, well, what does difference does that make? But it does make a difference because it shows like how you, it's, it helps connect with more people. And we lost by 29,000 votes. Um, having him on the target list is... Um, you know, again, it just makes it gives it makes me feel good because it's like, look, we showed that it's a winnable seat and we got really close. And now with everything that's happening, 2022 is going to be, I believe, a landslide for Republicans. I think it's going to be a silent vote to go in another direction because of how things have happened in the past 10 months. And then, uh, you know, still that there's a money difference as we alluded to. He's got he's got one point four million. You did it. You had a good fundraising quarter, uh, but he's but he's got. One one point four million in the bank, and you got about eighty eight thousand at this point. You know the latest campaign, and I got forty five point three with four hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> okay, let me tell you, I don't care how much Gar- how much money Garamendi has. He doesn't have my spirit, and he does not have my drive to work. I'm not going to let this man just have it. It's going to be it's going to be uphill battle. I'm not. I never disputed that, but I will tell you that. No one's going to outwork me. Even Garamendi can't outwork me. He can have as much money in the bank, but his record, what's happening across the nation, his responses to that, all of that factors into me being able to win this race. What's the biggest challenge for you as a as a candidate who is, uh, you know, who who is uh, not an incumbent, running against a long term incumbent, and and raising money? What's the biggest challenge for you to when you're when you're trying to change money? Because no nobody likes to call up people and, and say, hey. Can you kick over a few uh, a few pennies to me? What, what's the, <laughs> how do you how do you how do you what's the biggest challenge for you to do that? And, and so, all the Joe, other stuff about campaign. I sit on the phone for five hours a day, oh. and I I know. But let me tell you something. I've never met a stranger. I'm t- like, look, my grandmother raised me right. You never met a stranger. All people can do is say no, and then you just move on. Uh, I think for me, it was. Like I said, I don't care. Like either you can say yes or no if you want to support me financially. Um, I think like you know being compared a lot would be something that would um, that has been a challenge to be honest. Like being compared to other people. You know, I'm just Tamika Hamilton in District Three, living in Dixon. You know, minding my own business. I never had a social media presence until I started running. You know, I didn't care about being on social media. Um, I still don't want to be on it now, but it's it's one of those uh, things you have to do. <laughs> That makes two of us. That makes two of us. I'd rather not be either. Yeah. The other thing you have going, you have, you have, as you, as you alluded to earlier, you have five kids. Yeah. Because um, I saw a line in your, in your, in your, in your uh, expense forms is the child care. I mean, you got to, you, you, I mean, this is a, an expense that, you know, some other uh, candidates may not have to think about. How does that, uh, how does that shape the, the, the campaign? Walk us through like a, a day. Yeah, day you know, day to day when you're you know, uh, I don't I don't know how I would do that. that that's that's amazing. <laughs> okay, so let's walk you through that. Thanks for asking that because you know a lot of people just don't. They like you have men. I'll be honest with you, Joe. Like this, some men I've had. Well, occasionally I had one guy ask me. I said, "What guy?" He emailed like Tamika should be raising her family. And I would I'm, imagine you get a lot of that. Yeah, and I'm thinking yeah. to myself, this is me raising my family. I'm showing my children how to get involved in a process that many people don't get into. And I'm raising them to um, to hold their government accountable. That's what I'm doing. And then also mind your business because it doesn't matter how many kids I have. That's what I want to say. But, um, yes. but yeah, so uh, a day-to-day would be 
We get up because my husband works nights. I don't know if I even should be saying that. Somebody would be stalking me. But um, my husband works nights. So in the morning, we do our thing. We get ready for school, take my daughter to school. And uh, we have an amazing caregiver who does a switch off with me after I take my daughter to school. And so um, so that's like at 8 o'clock. Uh, from 8 until, oh gosh, 10.30. I mean, excuse me, 11.20. Um, I'm here making calls and my son, my fa- my six-year-old, he's doing his schoolwork. I'm really big on no TV and all that, all that jazz. So take him to school, come back. <laughs> and then I continue to make calls. And then around like three, uh, 2.45, I go pick them up because they got to pick, get picked up at three o'clock, um, between three and, um, 3.15 and then come back do my dinner, all that, and, and you know, do homework, dinner. My husband goes and picks up the rest of the babies from my, from our nanny, and then he's home. So that's our life. Wow. That is not the typical uh, house candidate schedule. That's very impressive. So what's the next step uh, on the, uh, in the campaign? What are you looking forward to next? So right now we're just working on having more events and, um, you know, just connecting with people in the community that's what that's what's happening right now. Um, you know, the holiday season's coming up, so things are going to kind of slow down a little bit, but they'll pick back up in January and um, we'll be rocking and rolling. Again, this race is about resources and making money to be able to connect with as many people as possible. And um, and that's what that's what we've been working on really hard to just because uh, we've we've sent out mail across the nation and so many people care about uh, California and what's happening here. And we've been getting amazing responses back. So it's only going to get better as, um, uh, as we move forward. And so uh, the redistricting, your, your, your district could get redrawn a little bit, but you're in regardless, correct? Yes. Yes. I'm not going anywhere. I didn't start all this to leave. I'm the first Republican to run against Garamendi twice. And, and we're, like I said, we are full steam ahead. Okay. Mika Hamilton, thank you for being on It's All Political. Good luck to you. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your families are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank Joseph Rocha and Tamika Hamilton for joining us today. I'd like to thank the King, King Kaufman, for producing this episode. And as always, we throw some love out for our theme song that you're listening to right now. That's Cattle Call. And it is written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Croson. And remember... No matter whether you're a millionaire running for Congress or only have a hundred bucks in the bank, it's all political. <laughs>